Welcome to the Funny Because It's True podcast. I'm your host, Kevin McGeehan. The show is recorded live every other Monday at 10 p.m. at the Second City Hollywood in Los Angeles, California. Storytellers are either predetermined or chosen randomly on the night of the show to tell a true story based on different themes. And this podcast is a mixed bag of some of my favorites. The theme of this episode is the lengths that we will go, specifically to impress or woo the opposite sex. Danny Tush ends up in the hospital after flirting goes horribly awry. Griffin Gundel makes a bold move that completely backfires, and I drive nine hours in an unsuccessful attempt to lose my virginity. But let's not dawdle. First up, Danny Tush. Uh, when I went to college, I was this um, uh, prolific idiot. And uh, being a prolific idiot, I went to the emergency room uh, about a dozen times in the four years at the University of Oregon. And ironically, the time where my life was the least threatened, it was the time when I most wanted to die due to a pretty extraordinary mixture of excruciating pain and utter humiliation. So there was this girl, the sophomore, and I, I was head over heels in love with her. And she's going to this party off campus. And so I, uh, I get myself an invite because I, I meet the girl whose house it is. And uh, I, I go to the party and I see her across the party sitting on this wooden bench. So I walk over and I sit at the opposite end of this wooden bench. And I look to her and I coyly smile. And she looks back at me and she coyly smiles back and says, What are you doing all the way over there? To which I respond with, I don't know. But allow me to fix the situation with the science of sliding. This is exactly what I said. And, and so I proceed to make my first mistake of the day and try to slide over towards her on this wooden bench. Uh, this is a very old wooden bench, a very unkept wooden bench, a very splintery wooden bench. And so I, I get halfway through my science of slide, and I stop, and I, I, I pop up, and I go, oh, my God. And she says, what's wrong? I said, nothing. I just have to go to the bathroom really bad. And so I, I run upstairs to the bathroom, and I don't know what's wrong with my butt. And so I pull down my pants. I pull down my pants, and it's one of those mirrors that's chest height, so I can't. I have to get on top of the bathtub, and I have to put my butt up in the air in this very effeminate position. And I see, and there's this little splinter and a, little, and a lot of blood coming out. And I'm like, oh, okay, it's not so bad. It's a splinter. Splinters are easy. And I pull at it. And the moment I do, I feel this, like, emanating pain that kind of touches my pelvis. And I'm like, that's not good. I can't do this by myself. I need help. And I've only been at college for about a month, two months. I don't have a lot of close friends I can call to tell them to take splinters out of my butt at parties. So I, I, I make my second mistake of the day, and I ask the girl whose house it is to help me get the splinter out of my butt. Uh, to which she says, sure. Um, so we go up to her bedroom and I lay down on the bed because I can't bend and I pull down my pants and she just goes oh my god and then she goes ahead and calls the girl who I like into the room to see what I've done to which she responds oh my god and it apparently looks horrible and then this girl being the, the angel that she was at the time um, offers to take it out so she gets a tweezer and she pulls at it, and again I feel that emanating pain that kind of reverberates in my pelvis, and then I hear her go, and then run away. And the other girl just looks at me and says, I think you need to go to the hospital. 
So they lay me down like a plank of wood in the back seat because I can't bend again. And I'm so adamant that no one leave the party to come to this to come to the emergency room with me that I say drop me off. So they leave me on the corner of the hospital like an overdosed prom date. And I've never ever, this is my first of my many emergency room visits. I've never been before. So I don't know what to do. So I walk in and I kind of like, you know, uh, awkwardly stroll in there and I, I don't I'm nervous, so I just yell out does anyone know where I go if I have a giant piece of wood in my butt? <laughs> to which no one responds. So don't try that. Um, and of course, it's one of those days where like someone's missing his thumbs, and someone's like been stabbed, and there's like a dead guy on the floor. So it's like a two hours of me just standing there with wood in my butt, and everyone looking at me wondering, what did he do with a broomstick? Or... Um, so anyway, so finally I get back there, and the doctor, even though it really hurts, uh, bends me over the table unceremoniously and pulls down my pants. I'm not, by the way, in like my own operating room. I'm in the triage, so there's people walking by. Um, and he starts like injecting me with, you know, uh, pain go bye bye juice. And uh, I make my third mistake of the day when he asks me, "So, Mr. Tush, uh, how did you hurt yourself?" And I say, "Oh, it's not, it's not Tush, it's Tush." And he goes, "Hey guys, come over here." And he calls over two nurses and another doctor, and the four of them sit there while this guy... By the way, this splinter had gone two inches straight into the meat of my buttocks. It was not a splinter as much as it was a, like, a, like a toothpick sword. And he has to surgically remove it. So as he's surgically removing it, and my pants are down, and just my ass is hanging out, and there are doctors laughing the fact that Mr. Tush has a splinter in his tush. Uh, it was it was horrible, and so I spent like a month sitting on a donut, and I to this day actually still, if I sit on it the wrong way, I can still feel this little twinge of pain. And when I do, I remember the splinter that didn't almost kill me, but the embarrassment that did. Thank you. Next up, Griffin Gundel. I also uh, recently became single, and I've uh, yeah, no, it's okay. Uh, but it happened a little while ago, and I'm kind of trying to get like, on the upswing, like ready to get back out there. And uh, I just keep telling myself I need to be more bold, because like, every relationship that I've ever been in just kind of like happened to me. Like the first girl I ever dated, she liked me, and I knew it, and I liked her, and I didn't want to ask her out, because I just didn't want to do it. And uh, so my friend Keegan grabbed me into a full Nelson during wrestling practice, that was, and we were up on the wrestling match, which were up some stairs, and she was at basketball practice at the time. And he just had me at a full Nelson and walked me down the stairs and was like, Joni, come here, come here, Griffin has to say something. And he was just like pressing my head down. And then I was just like, Joni, do you want to go out with me? <laughs> she was just like, sure. And then he dropped me, and I fell on my all fours looked up, said thank you, and walked back up the stairs. <laughs> and that was my first relationship. Uh, but anyway, this has nothing to do with the story. Um, anyway, so the last time I was really bold, um, I was working at Starbucks, and uh, there was this new girl that had just started, and her name was Stephanie. And we had nothing in common, but I really wanted us to have something in common. So uh, she was like a rave girl, just like always going to parties and like just dropping E all the time. And she was just, I was trying to, like, be really interested, and uh, I was just like, oh, what'd you do last night? She's like, oh, my God, I went to my friend's party, and I took all this E, and I made out with every guy and girl there. And I was just like, oh, you're so quirky. <laughs> <It's great. laughs> uh, 
So, uh, yeah, I, I was uh, texting her for a while, and I was just, like, being really, like, like seventh grade about it. I'm like, you're super cute. We should hang out. And I was, like, dropping smiley faces, which I never do. Uh, but, yeah, I, th- I thought she was, like, totally digging it. I was like, man, Stephanie is into me, man. And uh, so the next day at work, I got my head, like, I got in my head this plan. I was like, I'm going to kiss her at work. That's going to do it. And uh, <laughs> so all day, that was my plan. And I worked, like, 4 to, like, 10 or whatever close time was. And the whole time I was trying to drop subtle hints that, like, something big was going to happen tonight. I was just like, oh, Stephanie, just wait. Uh, at the end of the shift, I got something for you. And she's just like, what is it? You didn't even bring your backpack. I was like, you just be patient, you. And uh, so, uh, yeah, like, the whole day I was just, like, trying to smile at her from across the counter. But I sweat doing anything. So it was just, like, my wet bangs were just dripping sweat onto the countertop. And she was just like, oh, didn't want to look at me. Uh, but yeah, at the end of the night, we're... Uh, we're closing up, and uh, I, my shift supervisor was cleaning up the front area, and he was like, hey, I'm going to be out front uh, cleaning up the tables out front. And I was like, all right, Roberto, you take your time. And uh, so he, uh, he went out there and started wiping down the tables, and I was like, pretended I needed something. I was like, oh, gosh, I forgot the vanilla syrup back there. Uh, I'll be right back, Stephanie. And I like walked back, and I was like, oh, wait, no, can you can you come back here with me? And she was just like, yeah, sure, of course. And uh, I, we walk back, and I like, am just being really creepy about it. And I'm just like, I grabbed her arm. I was like, hey, just come here. And I like, tuck her into the corner. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I just don't say anything. I just start like leaning in and just like, in my mind, I'm just like, this is stupid. Like, you shouldn't be doing this. But like, I'm already in motion. I got to go with it. Got to be bold, bro. And... Uh, <laughs> So I lean in and just give her the most, like, or the least sexy kiss, like, anyone could possibly muster. It was just, like, a barely a peck, like, I may be on the lips. I couldn't remember. But it was just, like, how a grandmother kisses, like, her least favorite grandson. <laughs> just, like, barely. And uh, I, like, I uh, just lean back and I just start kind of mugging at her. Like, oh, how's that taste? And, uh, <laughs> and uh, just like, yeah. And she just goes, oh, that's what you wanted. And just like, yeah, there it is. And uh, <laughs> she just goes, I still got to clean the, the, the coffee machine. And I was just like, all right, yeah, get back out there, you... And uh, she just doesn't say anything. And I'm just sitting back there. And, like, I had no reason to come back here. I thought we were going to be furiously making out. And she was just going to be like, we need to hang out all the time. And I was, didn't happen. But uh, so no, no mention was made uh, for the rest of the night. And uh, I left. I went home and just, you know, self-hated all night. And then uh, I didn't work the next day. But I came in the next day and... Uh, uh, my boss was conducting interviews, and I was like, oh, are we hiring somebody else? He's like, yeah, we got to like, pick somebody up real quick because uh, Stephanie just put in her two weeks yesterday. Oh. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's where that story ends. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so every time I'm, I like, think I need to be really bold, I'm like, ah, maybe you should just be a little bit patient, Griffin, because you don't want another Stephanie situation. And finally, me, Kevin McGeehan. I dated a woman 
who I'm going to call for this story Bucky. And the, <laughs> the reason I'm calling her Bucky was that was the nickname that was given to her by the next girlfriend who did not like her. Bucky and I started dating my senior year, and Bucky looked a lot like me, but with long, curly red hair. If you've never dated someone that looks like you, it's really fun because you can play this game. We were 18 in McDonald's. We noticed that people were looking at us, and we thought, they assume we're related. Let's make out. So we had that kind of relationship. It was fun. It was playful. And one thing that I did not know until much later was that I was not her only boyfriend. She was, in retrospect, auditioning men to lose her virginity with. There was me, there was the surfer, and there was the guy who was the lead in the rock and roll band. I won. Kind of. <laughs> and she goes to the University of Miami. I go to Florida Community College at Jacksonville. Uh, we go on terribly different paths. But then about a month into her time at University of Miami, she calls me and says, come down to Miami and visit me. Subtext, come to Miami, lose your virginity. And I said, okay. And this was a big deal for me to go down there because one, it's a nine-hour drive. And two, if I did go, I would be missing the season premiere of season three of 21 Jump Street and the series premiere of Booker that same night. Both of those shows were extremely important to me at that time, but I opted to go to Miami. Lose your virginity. So when I get down to Miami, I find out, just so you know, you can't stay in my dorm. It's an all-women's dorm. You can't stay here. You're going to have to stay with this guy. And I meet this guy, and slowly but surely, I come to realize, oh, no. The man whose dorm I am sharing while I have come down to Miami lose your virginity, is the guy that she just recently lost her virginity to that I find out when I'm there. <laughs> Emasculating was the word of choice had I known it at 18. <laughs> so we come close once again, but then she says, remember that thing we were going to do when I had that RV? And I said, yeah, and she goes, I don't, we can't do that now. Okay, and then I go back to the dorm room of the guy who she's lost her virginity to, and he spends the evening telling me all the fun things that they do together and that I should probably leave. And this is rock bottom for me, and I, I didn't know what to do. So I got into my Mazda B2000 long bed pickup truck. I said goodbye to her, and I said goodbye to that possibility. And I drove back to Jacksonville, Florida, where I live, nine hours away. But I did it fast. And I did it in record time. And when I got home, I got to see 
the season premiere of 21 Jump Street and the series premiere of Booker. That's it. That's our show. Special thanks to our storytellers Danny Tush and Griffin Gundel. Also thanks to Josh Callahan, Mark Warzeka, The Second City Hollywood, and the Comedy Podcast Network for producing the show. You can like Funny Cause It's True on Facebook to find out upcoming show dates and themes. All the past episodes are available for free download on the Comedy Podcast Network and iTunes. Feel free to leave a rating and a comment about the show. The more comments help the show grow to a broader audience on iTunes. Plus, it appeases my staunch desire for approval and acceptance. If you would ever like to see the live show, Funny Cause It's True is every other Monday at 10 p.m. at the Second City Hollywood, located on historic and crazy-personed Hollywood Boulevard. So come out, put your name in contention, and maybe you'll get chosen to tell a true story on stage, and from there, get chosen to be on the podcast. My name is Kevin McGeehan. Thanks for listening. Receive this transmission from the Comedy Podcast Network. For more shows, visit comedypodcastnetwork.com.